Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, every now and then in life, we do something uh, a little bit wild, a little bit, we, get, we, we, we like to live life on the edge, we like to do stuff outside of our comfort zone, it kind of, like, it, it gives you that adrenaline rush, you know, like, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, me, me and Vanessa, I'm married, and um, in, our, in our married life, we've been married for about a year now, we've, we'd have the, we've had the opportunity to experiment with how to do, you know, our chores, and how to do, <laughs> wow, <laughs> censored. Hey, Facebook, it's good to have you here. Um, and, so, and so this week, we experimented with our washing machine. Thought to live, uh, live a little bit out of, you know, out of our comfort zone, on the edge, do something a little bit different and outrageous. And what we did is um, we thought, you know what? If we put a little bit more washing detergent than usual, do the, clean, do the clothes come out cleaner? Because when you're a sweaty guy like me, the clothes, you put them through the wash, they just, they still come out dirty and smelly. Can I get an amen? amen. Do you have any amens, guys? And, um, and, and I, I thought it was my mom's fault. I grew up and Whoa. every time my shirts Whoa. came back, they were smelly. I thought it was mom. It turns out it wasn't mom, um, unless it's mom and Vanessa. But, but and so what we did is we, we, we filled in um, the washing machine with some extra detergent. Lo and behold, the laundry area, our bathroom, overflowed and flooded with suds and soap and bubbles. Amazing. But you know what? When you do something outrageous, you get a bit of an adrenaline rush and you get to you know, push the boundaries of things. Um, and, and I want to talk about living an outrageous type of life. Um, uh, maybe you're the anti-recipe type. Who here doesn't like following recipes? Uh, you guys freak me out. <laughs> I, when I get the recipe for something, I need to follow it to the tea, I need to get, you know, one and a half cups of, of flour, I need to get, you know, sugar, whatever. Vanessa makes the most incredible cookies and cakes and all of that. She never uses the recipes. It freaks me out. You know, when it says to put the, um, the meat pies in the oven from frozen, you got to do that from frozen. You don't leave it out for it so it cooks quicker or something. But you know what? When you're doing outrageous things, you get to uh, receive the things that you wouldn't have yet um, received. Another thing... Um, that I did, my, my family actually went to the U.S. this morning without me, I know, and, um, but a couple years ago, last time we went to the U.S., um, I've got like this crazy fear of heights and roller coasters and all things extreme, and um, so when we went to the U.S., we went to Disneyland, and I thought, you know what, i got to break this fear, we've got to do something about this, you know, live on the edge and get a little bit outrageous with life, you know, like YOLO, like you got to live YOLO. <laughs> Um, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do the roller coaster. And I'm like, you know what, I can do this roller coaster because it's got a big fat Mickey Mouse face <laughs> on the side of it. If I can't do this, then I can't do all things through Christ who strengthens wow. me. And so, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I, my, my family drags me on. I got on the seat, I buckled myself up and I rode the roller coaster as outrageous and crazy and scary as it was out of my comfort zone, you know, something different out of the norm. I did it, and then from that point, I've ridden every roller coaster. I went, I did the whole of Disneyland. We went to like uh, Six Flags or something like that, all these different theme parks, and I ride roller coasters. Can I get an amen? Um, but, but the thing is here, right, as, as crazy and, and daunting as it is to try something new and to, to kind of live life on the edge and do something outrageous, um, what's more outrageous 
than going on a roller coaster when everything in you is telling you not to is to live a life by faith. Now, we've been doing this series on healing, and I want to speak about faith this morning because I really strongly believe that it is, it is outrageous faith that produces radical healing. So this morning, I want to talk about outrageous faith. Everybody say outrageous faith. Outrageous faith. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to get a little bit outrageous. Just shake them a bit. Shake the outrageousness into them. <laughs> I, I truly believe God is calling His church to return back to a place of faith. And you know what's interesting is that we can be living this life and going to church and stuff like that, but we can allow faith to dwindle in our lives. We see Jesus speaking to His disciples like time after time and challenging them and saying, you have little faith. Perverse generation, you unbelieving generation of little faith. And Jesus challenges them. But then He sees people outside of the church, outside of his care, the disciples, people like the centurion man, people like the the woman who's, um, I think it was the daughter that was demon possessed. They came up to him and and they're like, Jesus, would you heal, you know, my family or my servant? And the, the, um, it says the centurion man actually challenged and blessed Jesus' heart so much because Jesus says, I have not seen great faith like this or outrageous faith like this in all of Israel. Now, church, do we want to have an outrageous faith that moves the heart of God? That's the question. You know, your faith can actually move the heart of God. Your your, your faith actually draws on His presence, and it actually allows Him to move. Hearing Him, being obedient to Him, sitting in what He wants for you, living in that, that's faith. You got to have faith. Remember that old song? You got to have faith. My family loves to do karaoke, so every Monday, Frank, if you're watching this, hopefully you are, every Monday we get the privilege to go to my, uh, my family, but through the in-laws side of the family, the banana family, get to go over to their house, and we do karaoke um, every Monday night, and it's really fun, we sing all these crazy songs, and so I need, I've been trying to learn like some old school songs, so tomorrow we can sing, you gotta have faith, anyway, alright. <laughs> Now check this out, Matthew chapter 17. If you want to turn there, you can, but you're probably not going to have enough time. You're going to go real quick. Matthew 17, write it down. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. It says this, the simple truth. Everybody say simple. Simple. It's a simple thing. This is a simple truth. The simple truth is that if you had had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, other translations say a mustard seed, this small, if your faith is this small, you would be able to tell this mountain move. Everybody say move. You could tell a mountain to move and it would move. There is nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. Wow. That challenges me. (laughs) That makes me think, okay, what sort of life am I living? Where is my faith at right now? You know, am I actually living in a place of outrageous faith? Maybe I think, maybe today you're sitting there and you feel like, I live in outrageous faith. Like, you know, I come here and hang out with you guys every Sunday. (laughs) And, (laughs) And you might feel that way. But then Jesus puts this statement out. And he says, if you had faith even the size of a poppy seed, you would be able to tell this mountain to move and it would move because there is nothing, there is nothing that would be impossible to you. You know what? Outrageous faith, it's obedient, it's persistent, it's unwavering. It's in the pursuit of a promise, moving towards what we know is ours. Outrageous faith chooses to believe against all odds. 
outrageous faith, it takes more guts than it does to get on a Mickey Mouse roller coaster. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, outrageous faith takes guts. It takes guts. And the thing about faith, right, is that outrageous faith will actually enrage the faithless. Your outrageous faith will actually enrage the faithless. Because to people, it's going to look like you found yourself in front of a closed door. To other people, they're going to say, you know what? In Christian circles, what we do, we, we like to um, encourage one another and make each other feel better by saying things like this. When the door is shut, it mustn't be the will of God. It's okay, brother. Move on to the next thing. We'll pray for you in the next season. But you know what? I believe. Let me challenge that. Let me challenge that. I believe that sometimes when you understand His truth, when you understand the Word, the Father is waiting for you to be a person that realizes that there's truth on the other side of that door that belongs to you. And it's not, is the door open or is the door closed? It's, do you know how to open the door to your promise? The the thing is, your faith though, is going to look a bit strange. It's going to trigger people that don't see the way that you see. Faith is walking, we're called to walk by faith not by sight. So faith isn't by, we, uh, by what we see. Faith is irrational. It's illogical. It's outrageous, right? That's what we're talking about this morning. So do you want to get a little bit outrageous this morning? We're going to get outrageous, and I hope we can, we can receive of the fruit of outrageous faith and outrageous, um, outrageousness, um, and I believe the fruit is radical healing. Outrageous faith, the fruit of that is radical healing. So just continuing on that series of healing, I just want to uh, look at uh, a couple stories, and um, what I want to look at this morning, just kind of focus in on, is a story we find in Mark chapter 2. So if you want to turn there, be cool. If you got your Bibles, your iPads, whatnot, if you don't, we can give you one. Um, Mark 2, mate, Mark 2. Mark chapter 2, starting verse 1, Gospel of Mark. All right. Before we move on to that, I just want to challenge you as well. One more thing. Um, We're talking about outrageous faith and how Jesus says, even if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, um, you would see, you know, radical healing, radical, you know, movement. Um, When the disciples didn't have faith, Jesus would say to them, you have little faith. That translates into short-lived faith, failed faith. So as we're talking about this, I want you to kind of like what Sal was giving um, During worship, he gave that word of like, you know, put that mountain in front of you and just know that God can take you over it, take you through it. And um, in that same way, I want to challenge you to be like, you know what? Let's be people that don't come out with failed faith. At the other end of the journey, at the the other end, let's not come out as people who have had failed faith. Amen? Amen. All right. Mark chapter 2. Let's read this. Mark chapter 2. All right. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So everyone heard Jesus has come back to Capernaum. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now, I'm thinking this place is packed. And it would have actually, it would have like, people would have been like, it would have caused a commotion. Everyone's like, what's going on? Like the population back then of Capernaum was about one and a half thousand people. And so if you're thinking how many people can they cram in with no shoulders, like just shoulder space, um, and out into the front and around the house, like I'd say about a quarter of the town were probably there. So Jesus caused quite a commotion. So let's, let's read on. Then it says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. 
Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. They were desperate, desperate for a miracle. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the man on the mat that he was uh, lowering the man on the mat down. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, "Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone?" Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, "Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier?" To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Then he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Radical healing, a radical miracle. And he took outrageous faith. So let's explore that. I believe there's, there's a couple characteristics you can pull out of this and just see what these people had to receive of the miracle um, that Jesus wanted to give them. So I'm going to give you some characteristics of outrageous faith. You ready? ready. All right, number one, characteristic number one is position yourself. Everybody say position. Position, position yourself in an environment for miracles. Very good. Position's important. Position is very important. You start to believe and understand the position is important when you're sitting next to the person in worship that thinks they're the best singer in the world and they love to sing, what a beautiful name, the top of their voice where they're singing three keys out of tune. Or you might, you might recognize that position is important when you've signed up, you've bought your ticket to go to a movie and you're sitting behind the guy that's like eight foot tall and you miss out on half the movie. Or, um, or for me, this happens to me all the time, when I'm maneuvering in traffic, you know, you gotta, you gotta get to your destination Maneuvering in traffic every time, I swear, every time, truth be told, every time I change lanes, I end up in the slower lane. And I just manage to head on backwards home. Like, I feel like, am I still in Blacktown? What's going on? And um, you realize position is important when you think in the real world, position is important. You may be striving to, to um, work into a new position, you know, um, whether you want a um, raise or anything like that. Position is actually important in the natural world, but it's also uh, important in the spiritual. Um, position yourself in an environment for miracles. Now, these people, these, these um, friends of this paralyzed man, this disabled man, they knew that they had to get their friend to Jesus because Jesus was an environment for miracles. Amen? Jesus was an environment for miracles. Now, when you're in traffic and when you're trying to change lanes and when you're sitting behind this super tall guy in the movies, you're thinking, how does this even happen? Each of these problems rise up from being found in a problematic position. Okay? So you can, be in a pro- you can be in a position that's actually quite problematic. You know? And so what I, wanna, um, I want you to kind of meditate and think over, mull over where you're actually positioned this morning. If you're believing for something, if you need to see a miracle in your life, if you need to see healing, I want to tell you, hey, have a think about where you're positioned right now. Are you positioned in a problematic place where you're actually distant from what God wants to do? Are you distant from an environment of miracles? Or are you in that place? Are you positioned in an environment for miracles? Now, it says, it says in Mark chapter 2, it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard. Everybody say, the people 
the people heard that he had come home. And so they all gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, this man was paralyzed in his states. And this man had a choice to stay positioned in his problematic position back home on his bed, disabled and paralyzed, unable to get somewhere. Or he can make a decision to move. And the challenge is for us, would we move towards our miracle? Can, are we people that want to stay in what we have and just take it as it comes? Or do we, not, do we want to press on forward towards the inheritance that God has spoken over our lives? That's, there's a contrast there. And this man could have used the excuse, I'm paralyzed. Jesus should come to me. I'm disabled. There's no way I can get into that room. Or he gets there and he's like, man, this place is packed. And in that moment, you can be like, maybe it's not God's timing. Maybe it's not God's will. Maybe it's, it's, it's not what he wants for me in this moment. But you know what they did? They chose to push through and they're like, you know what? No, we're going to bring this guy to this place where we know is an environment for miracles. Wow. Now, interesting thought. Um, as we read through, we see this um, excerpt um, speaking of the religious leaders that were there, of the law. The religious people, the Pharisees, they were there too. Now, you can be positioned physically in church, which is, this is all important, physically in church, physically in a connect group, physically um, with accountability around you, physically hearing the word, all of that sort of stuff. But you can be spiritually missing out in your prayer life, wow. in worship, in meditation, in, in, in dwelling on his word and what he says over you. And um, these religious leaders, they were in an environment physically for a miracle, but spiritually they were closed. Spiritually, they were hardened. They were calloused. And you know what? They would have seen Jesus perform miracles time and time again. They would have seen the fruit of God. And you can come here every Sunday or you can even be around friends that are walking in that. But until you choose to say, you, you put a stake in the ground and you're saying, nah, this is the life I have. And you spiritually position yourself seated in high places with Jesus, knowing what is your inheritance, you're going to miss out wow. on radical healing in your life. You're going to miss out on living a life of outrageous faith. Amen? Now, when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're disabled or when, when, you're miss, when this guy was paralyzed, you can easily be demotivated, right? When you're in that place of discouragement, you've yet to see healing. You've been pushing for it you know, for, for weeks, for years. I'll be vulnerable with you guys. I'm preaching a message on healing and my neck is still kind of like half kinked. I kinked it two days ago. I've been praying for it for healing and I'm like writing this message for healing and I'm still yet to be healed. And it's this thing of like, how am I, what, what place am I going to wow. live in? Am I going to choose to remain in that place and just be like, that's the way it is? Or am I going to push forward? Um, when you're demotivated, there's something you can do. There's something that will motivate you to reposition yourself. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah. Come on, do you want to know? Yeah. Do you want to know what it is? I can liken it to that sound the ice cream truck makes when it comes around the corner. You know, da, na, 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 na. and it's like it, it's like you weren't in the mood for ice cream, but then you get up off your bed, out of the house, in your pajamas, and you go and buy ice cream. Can I? Anyone relate? Yes. It's just me. Okay, fine. Okay, my glutton is being exposed. Um, but in the same way, I really believe it's it's like a kick. It's like an adrenaline rush to your body to actually hear testimonies of what God's doing. 
And I think that's why it's so important to hear that God is doing an incredible miracle in the Hamid family, in Tony, um, who's, who was in the hospital, in ICU, on life support. And it's cool to hear that stuff and be, expose yourself, get into a spiritual environment for miracles and be like, I hear that God is doing these things. I need to, I need to be living in that too. I need to be living in that too. So I encourage you, if you feel demotivated and if you feel like you've yet to see the fruit of your miracle, I say get, a, get, um, get into a place where you can hear at least what God is doing. Get into a place where you can hear what God is doing. You hear countless stories of the blind man, um, Bartimaeus, or other people where it's like they heard that Jesus was coming. Because they knew who he was, they got up and they made every effort. They yelled, they shouted, they wanted their miracle. Amen? Amen. All right, moving on. Will you move is the question. You've got to move forward towards your miracle. Position is important. Position is important. (laughs) My mic has been positioned wrong this whole time. It's been feeding back. So, uh, meme review. All right. Where are you positioned? Awesome. My weakest points personally, my weakest points have been when I haven't been positioned in a place um, of faith, in in in, in spiritually positioned in the right place. And uh, Carl tagged me in this, this hilarious Twitter post last week. If you want to check this out. Um, and sometimes we got to realize that we either live our lives by default or by design. This guy posted, he said, my car keeps doing that thing where you get in it and suddenly I'm at McDonald's drive-thru. And I, I so relate to that. And, um, and the thing is, you either live your life by default or by design. Sometimes by default, I'm back at the drive-thru. And, and I'm like, how did I get back to this place again? And I feel demotivated to continue my week of healthy eating. Wow. I feel demotivated to go back to the gym. And you're just like, uh, it, it didn't work. You know what I mean? If you're not living your life by de- design, you'll live it by default. And you miss out on being in a position where you're in an environment for miracles. Amen? All right. Let's continue on. Uh, is, this, is this making sense, people? Awesome. All right, so the characteristics of outrageous faith, to position yourself in an environment for miracles, and we're going to look at number two, which is to persist. Everybody say persist. Persist Persist beyond the mountain before you. Mark chapter 2, verse 4, I want to read again. Um, It says in verse 4, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, everybody say faith again. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, whether your mountain is your diagnosis um, or your financial situation, the discouragement of others, people coming up against you and saying, Why are you trying to get through that door? That door is obviously closed. You've yet to see a miracle for years now. What are you pushing for? Why are you doing that? You've got discouraging friends. um, Or even maybe it's your own doubt. Maybe your mountain is your own doubt. We're actually called to be people who persist in faith. We persist. Outrageous faith. You want outrageous faith? You've got to persist. That's the characteristic of a person with outrageous faith. Um, Even here, when the venue was full and the signs and fruits at hand by human observation would convince us that yes, the timing's wrong, this, it's too full. Um, these people choose to push forward in an unconventional and outrageous faith. And um, our question to ourselves is how unconventional and how outrageous are we willing to get for our miracle, for the healing that we're waiting on? Believing God is your healer even when you've yet to receive healing. Even when the door's closed, 
doesn't mean you're not supposed to open it. The disabled man and his friends rocked up to a fully booked event. Reggio was closed. It was like Zion's event yesterday. It was just packed. It was awesome. And, um, and it, was, it was closed. And it's like they can be like, okay, we missed out. We'll come for the next service. We'll come for the 11 a.m., the, the 5 p.m. or whatever's next after this. Um, but you know what they did is they chose to persist. Something my parents used to do, which like, it just really irked me because I, I love to get really organized. Mom and dad are like, amazingly so good and filled with faith and organic in nature. And so we, in having a family of seven, they had faith. And anytime we went to a restaurant, it was okay. We didn't need to book and call in advance. And so we'd rock up outside a restaurant and we'd be waiting for like you know, 45 minutes to get into Outback Steakhouse. And everyone's looking at us and all the employees are like, why didn't these guys book? Like, is, are they not thinking? <laughs> and, um, but in the same way, that same simple faith, that same simple faith draws you to be a person that will persist. When, there's, when, a, when a door is in front of your face, or what seems like a wall or a mountain is in front of you, it challenges you to be like, nah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to push through until I see the fruit of the reward. Amen? These men knew from the outset that Jesus fully booked. And, and sometimes it can get scary when, when you know that it's going to take outrageous faith to see something happen because you're like, man, I'm putting myself on the line. I'm persisting in this. And what happens if nothing works? Um, a couple months ago, um, some of you may have heard this story, but a couple months ago, I was in South Africa um, with my wife and we were like the keynote speakers of some conference. And um, at the, the first session, it's like, God, why on the first session? <laughs> but the first session, I heard God say that he wanted to release Miracles and healings and signs and wonders. And I was like, oh, please. If... I'm thinking if this went wrong, then the whole conference is stuffed <laughs> and I'm preaching for the other sessions. And so, but then I'm just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask and see if anyone comes forward. So I just shared, I said, is anyone here got any pain in their bodies, need a miracle, need healing? And I'm hoping, you know, a couple people, maybe one or two people come out. Like 30 people come out on the first call. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And so um, first person I go to pray for. I need outrageous faith for this. I'm going to believe that this is going to work because I'm really living life on the edge, you know. I'm, re- I'm really kind of stepping out of my comfort zone. You need outrageous faith to live in this sphere. But let me tell you something. If you don't live in a place of outrageous faith where you're, where you're drawn to have to persist, you miss out on that fruit. You miss out on seeing what it looks like to live in what the world deems is impossible. And so first person comes up to me, and I don't know the scientific term, but she uh, shares how she has these lumps and these uh, like splints and stuff on her shin. And she's got chronic pain, seven out of 10, just consistently pain in her body. So all of that um, she's dealing with. And, and I'm like, oh, okay, can we bring someone with a headache first? <laughs> but, but I get down and I pray for her shins. I pray for her shins. And I start praying. I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, um, please. Let's, <laughs> now, but I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And I got back up and I said, so how, how are you feeling? And, you know, your outrageous faith is like, she's going to be healed. And uh, she's like, oh, I don't feel anything. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we, this is the beginning of the conference. What are we going to do? And so, but what I had to do, do you know what I had to do? I had to persist. I had to persist. And I'm like, okay, no, I'm not taking no for an answer. Devil, you're getting out of here. And I got back down on my knee and I prayed for this, this young girl, laid hands on her shins, and as I was praying and I started to get, stand up, she was bawling. And she was an absolute emotional wreck. And I'm like, what's going on? She just started crying. And um, she said, all the pain's gone. I'm completely healed. I can't feel anything. There's no pain. All of that. She starts jumping up and down and stuff. And 
The reason I share that is because we would have missed out on that first number one miracle if we didn't persist. And we actually would have said, what we could have you know, seen that first miracle and been like, okay, maybe it's not supposed to happen. We could have set the wrong tone, wow. our tone for a conference, rather than what God wanted to set for the rest of that conference. So we get to live in the fruit of that, of persistence, which is, it take, that's, that's outrageous faith, persistence. Amen? Now, when, when, you're, when you're praying for things and when you're, when you're persisting, um, you, can either, you can either struggle with thoughts in your mind that kind of like trying to take you off course and they, they discourage you and things like that. Or maybe you've got the enemy speaking in your mind and in your heart and telling you, just stop. Like if you've believed for long enough, obviously this isn't God. Or maybe you've got friends that, you know, friends that come in beside you and say, you know, oh, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, this is just the will of God for this person's life. Or maybe, you know, this is just the way it's supposed to happen. Those sort of people, if you've ever watched Spongebob, are the Squidward type. Do you know Squidward? I think we've got a slide for Squidward. Now this guy, he's a squid. He lives in, um, he doesn't live in a pineapple, but he lives under the sea. Um, and he is just an absolute grouch. He's like, he's like Ebenezer um, Scrooge. He's like that sort of a guy, that character who's just like, Everything he does, he comes alongside you and this person, whether it's the enemy or that friend or your own mind, always sour, always negative, has no passion. He, he, he highlights the bad he, and he plays the clarinet, which is much worse. No, I'm joking. No offense to anyone playing the clarinet. Um, but he's just that guy that puts a wet blanket on your faith. In the, almost, it feels like it happens right in the moment when you have to persist. Like something comes to blanket your faith. Something comes to slow down or to weigh you down. And you know what? I think we need to be a people that say, get out of my face, Squidward. <laughs> get out of my face. How, we, we need to speak to that situation, speak to that Squidward and be like, man, get out. This isn't your territory. This is my territory. And I'm choosing to believe for what I know I can believe for. And I'm going to persist until I get through this mountain. Amen. All right. Characteristic. Number three, number three. So first characteristic is uh, position yourself in an environment for miracles. Second is to persist beyond the mountain before you. And thirdly, allow his promise. Everybody say promise. promise. Allow his promise to radically, radically heal you. In verse 11, we see Jesus speaking life. And he says this, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So the man got up, took his mat, and walked out in, few, in, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. They were blown away. You know, when we live a life of faith, and we, when we allow God to move the way He wants to move, He actually does things that people have never seen before. These people are like, We've never seen anything like this. Well, that's the norm. That's, that's what outrageous faith produces. It produces the radical healing that you've been believing for. And it produces the miracles and, and the, the heaven on earth that Jesus prophesied would happen. That's what we're living for. Now, Jesus says something. He says, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Now, when the man heard that word, he had a choice. He could have stayed sitting down, lying down and being like, just, just waiting and sitting in what he knew to be real, what he knew to be his past, what he knew to be his norm. 
And this man could have even chosen to stay in that place or to action the promise that Jesus just gave him. He could have stayed lying down or he could have started, he would have had to start moving himself. He would have had to send a signal from his brain to his body to start moving. And that takes, that takes great faith. And in the same way, the question is, do we believe in the promise that Jesus has given to us? Do we believe when he says, you know, by, by my stripes, you are healed. You know, I've carried all your iniquities. Everything is upon me, all curses. I took it all at the cross. You know, the reason why in this scripture, Jesus challenges the Pharisees and says, what is easier to say that we've forgiven the sins or to heal this man? He's trying to say that the fruit of your forgiveness is your healing. So if you believe, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus died for your sins and after this life you're going to head to heaven, then it's easier in a sense to believe that your miracle can be received today, that your healing can be received today. That's the order that Jesus put it in. But the question is, do we believe in the promise that he's given us? Do we believe that there is weight behind the words he has said or is saying? In Isaiah 55 verse 11, it says, My word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. We can take God at his word. He's the creator God, the Alpha, the Omega, beginning and ends, the one that spoke the stars into existence. The one that flung all the planets and the galaxies into their place. He's the one that it says in scripture that he knows the, the number of hairs upon your head. That he knitted you together in your mother's womb. He is intimately and intricately a part of your life. And he's even speaking today. He didn't stop um, after day seven or day six when he said, you know, um, the creation was done and it is good. He's continued to speak into your life to this very day. Question is, are we hearing and are we believing that his word has weight? in our life. I have, I have this hunch. I believe that we struggle to believe what God has to say because we struggle with what each other have to say. We struggle to believe humans. We've been let down. We've, we've, we've had people lie to us. We've been in the midst of, um, you know, lacks of integrity and things like that. Um, I mean, for myself, me and Vanessa do a silly thing. We, 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 have, we have no trust issues. We're good. Just clarifying everybody. But uh, when we were dating more, we'd do this thing where we'd record each other whenever we made like a promise of something. And so there was one time Vanessa promised that she would stop um, being on her phone during a movie. Because for me, when you go to a cinema, it's a sacred place. Amen. Get off your phone, mate. <laughs> and Vanessa loves it. If she doesn't like the movie, if we're watching like, I don't know, what were we watching? Actually, I probably shouldn't say just in case someone uploads and remixes this. But um, we, we were watching something. No, we oh. Anyway, let's continue. So um, we were watching something, and she's just on the phone. She doesn't like it. And so I record them, and she said, fine, I'll never do it again. And I record her so she doesn't do it again. Or Vanessa will do it to me when I'm like, I fine, I won't have, you know, a McFlurry or an apple pie for another week or something like that, and she'll record it. But there's this, there's this thing, there's this subtlety of distrust between humanity, within humanity, between each other. And I think we tend to project that onto a God who is good, and he's faithful, and all through creation, all through scripture, he's never failed. He's never let you down. His promises, all his promises are yes and amen. Faithful, come on, babe. I'm joking. Um, but <laughs> we can take God at his word, amen. His word is a sure foundation. 
um, I was chatting to Sal about some like cool like theological stuff um, this week. I think it was this week or last week, and he was telling me about how Mark is the first um, uh, earliest written um, gospel, the canonical gospel um, that was written most close to when people were alive. And eyewitness, it was all written through eyewitness accounts and stuff like that. And I think you can take that and be like, okay, so what's what's prescribed here? in a, in a, in a uh, gospel that's written in a way that delicately records who Jesus was, delicately records his heart and, and what he does. And you know what? I can give you a promise right here off the bat. The first miracle, the first healing that you see in the whole gospel of Mark, the first miracle, it's in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, if you want to write it down to study it in your own time. Let me, let me read it. It's about the man with leprosy that comes to Jesus asking for healing. A man with leprosy came to him, to Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, can you make me clean? And then it says, Jesus was indignant. Do you know what the word indignant means? It means Jesus didn't dig it. It means means Jesus was a little bit triggered and upset and, and a bit angry. You look it up, it actually says angry. Jesus was angry to hear someone ask him, Are you willing? The first miracle, the first healing in the whole gospel of Mark sets a tone that so much of the church actually just struggles with. But it's a primary tone in the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And Jesus, indignant, says he reached out his hand, touched the man, and he says, I am willing. He said, be clean. Then he says, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. And then he goes on and the scripture goes on. But the first, the first healing, your promise, you know what you can hold on to? Is that Jesus says, I am willing. Amen, Question is, do you want it? Do you believe his promise? Will you persist? Do you want it hard enough to persist through to the promise? And will you position yourself in a place where you can even receive that? I think that's a crazy promise. And I love to remind myself of these promises that, that get fulfilled and, and hearing of um, um, the Hammond family with, with Tony um, being healed, taken out of ICU um, and, and even just getting a phone call today that he might be going home this afternoon. He was, he was on life support. There was, there, was, there was calls going around the church constantly, uh, uh, you know, hearing word that he was about to pass on. That was like we hear, we're on the other side of the miracle and you take it for granted and you think, oh yeah, it's just, you know, it's recovery. It wasn't. He was supposed to go. He was supposed to go according to his diagnosis. I love the testimony um, Christine posted about David and Lani's baby. Some of you guys have been praying for this baby um, who's got legion, like, had like tumors and stuff like that, um, born with some cancers and stuff like that. Um, this baby whose name is Jesse. Check this out. You want to hear the testimony? Let's finish off with this testimony. Um, so the newborn baby with incurable cancer, whose parents were told he was not going to survive the weekend a few weeks ago, is here's some testimonies. Number one. He's breathing on his own. This means he no longer has tubes down his throat. His parents are actually able to pick up and comfort their baby when he cries. Seeing a baby crying silently in pain, but being unable to pick him up and settle him was excruciating. Um, So to see this is huge. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, tumors on his lungs, stomach, and liver are all smaller. They did another x-ray on his lungs and compared it to when he was first admitted. To the untrained eye, the tumors, while apparently still there, are barely visible. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Number three, as well as now being able to be picked up and cuddled, Jesse is now alert and gurgling, looking around and smiling. Before this, he has been mostly sedated or, con- um, or conscious but distressed. 
He's also been able to breastfeed a few times. Tears of joy here. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, Jesse was moved out of intensive care to the oncology ward yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. I think now we can look at the situations and position ourselves in a place where it's like, I have yet to see God come through. I've yet to see the fruit. Or we can come to a place where we're like, wait a second, God does do miracles. We've seen it happen before. We'll see it again. And anytime someone was brought to Jesus, Jesus said, I am willing. So the question is really, outrageous faith, in our outrageous faith, what are we bringing to Jesus? Have we brought it to Jesus? Is our outrageous faith drawing us and driving us to be a people that just bring it to Jesus? That's really the solution here. Do we bring it to Jesus? So I hope, I hope, I hope, <laughs> I hope, I hope that's been helpful. I, I just really believe if you, if we've just we're finishing off this series um, today on on healing, but I, I just really believe like we know like without with faith anything is possible, and um, it takes outrageous faith if you want to continue to live this life. It's going to take the sort of faith that other people are going to look at you and think you're a bit weird. Um, so I just encourage you, and I want to spur you on to say. Keep it up, church. I love hearing the fruit. I love hearing what you guys are doing. And I love hearing the miracles that are happening in families. And I think we're just at the beginning. I truly believe we're just at the beginning. And we're going to see an overflow and an absolute revival um, around the corner of just seeing this as, as everyday fruit. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's, let's pray. Let's, do you want to pray? Or do I pray? Thank you, Lord. All right. Oh, Father, we just surrender. We surrender to who you are because we know that you are good that you are willing, that you are a good God. And in this moment, in this moment, Lord, we just ask that you would fill us afresh with who you are, that we would be filled to be a people with outrageous faith. Father, we just pray that the fruit of this outrageous faith would be your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we give you all the glory, we give you all the praise, and we bless your name. It's a privilege to serve you. We love you, God. Be blessed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.